Our next guest is guaranteed to bring a smile to your face. If you're a parent, you have probably purchased your share of school photos. Today, we speak to a New Hampshire executive who leads one of the largest school photo providers in New England. I'm Matt Mowry. I'm Nathan Carroll, and welcome to BizCast NH. Speaking of school and um, those crazy times as kids. Uh, um, I'll, I'll try to remember so long yeah, ago. So long ago, back when you had to go uphill both ways to that's school. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you ever get any of, like, in high school, middle school, any of those, like, superlatives for the yearbook and, like, you know? I'm sure people had superlatives <laughs> no, for me, just not God. publicly. Well, no, I no. mean, I was on the yearbook staff. Oh. Big shocking surprise yeah, no, there. Right. Like, I uh, don't believe we did superlatives because I didn't want to know. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. I've probably been labeled most likely to have a heart attack. Ah, uh, you know. Right, right. I think there were. There was like most likely, most likely to succeed. There was, and then there was. I only got this once, but I, and I don't know. know. Come on. I only, most talkative. Oh, shocking. I know. Shocking. Right, right. Exactly. It was me and Becky Stanley, who it's so funny. I just reconnected with her on Facebook and I'm like, oh my God. Like, did, did you ever stop talking? No, no, no. But it was like seventh or eighth grade and we got, we both got most talkative and I was just like, me? Like this geeky kid that like, I, oh, okay, I guess I just, you know, that's what you get for talking a lot. <laughs> Most talkative. I wonder if they That's still it. do superlatives at I, school. Yeah, I wonder now. I've got a middle schooler, so we don't really do yearbooks yet. So um, uh, I guess I'll find out next year. Yes, you will. Hey, speaking of yearbooks. Yes. <laughs> and school photos and school in general. Um, let's dive right into our guest this week. Our guest this week is Rich Carroll, president of Geska Studios and Yearbook Publishing, the largest provider of school photos in New Hampshire. Rich doesn't have a photography background, but does have a very strong back business background, having run a Lloyd's of London brokerage prior to becoming a partner at Geskus. He's a champion of teamwork, execution, and delivery. He motivates his teams to treat others with fairness and kindness and actively supports the communities his businesses impact. Rich lives with his wife, Claudia, and their two children in Stratum and enjoys family walks with their golden doodle, golf, tennis, dinner with friends, and watching Formula One. Sounds like a good life. Rich, welcome. Thank you very much, both of you. Uh, that was a really good intro. Well, at <laughs> least we can do for you. Well, it's a pleasure um, to be here. Let's, uh, let's dive in beyond that intro, though. My burning question right now is, why leave a successful career with Lloyd's of London to join what at the time was a very, very small business here in New Hampshire? <laughs> what was uh, happening in your life? <laughs> yeah, that's a, a very good question. Um, and uh, firstly, I, I'd like to say, guys, honored to be here. I think you both are doing an incredible job, and it's uh, it's just a, a a pleasure to be sitting down talking about me and the company and what we've been doing, and so I'm very grateful. It's a pleasure uh, to have you. Thanks. By way of background, uh, yeah, I, I had studied in the States um, and made some really good friends who I'd stayed in touch with, similar to what you guys were talking about earlier on with the yearbook <laughs> teams and so forth from school. Um, and uh, went to London, had a very successful career over there, loved it, uh, had a really good time. Ended up taking a year off for a variety of medical reasons, having um, 
uh, two heart surgeries. Oh wow! Um, which oh, you guys probably word. didn't know. No, nope, didn't know that. No, didn't know that one. <laughs> That's didn't not expect that one, right? <laughs> and so had what I class as my sort of early midlife crisis, where I was like, Do I want to put on a suit every day? Do I want to be doing the commute and heading off to uh, London and doing what I was doing? So. I, I took a year out and I literally explored a, a thousand different things in terms of where would I go, what would I do. Um, ended up in Tuscany, Italy. Not a bad place to, to, to roost. <laughs> Not a bad place. My first conversation on getting into the school photo industry with a college friend, uh, John Abuso, Jay Abuso, who uh, was my uh, one of my uh, early partners in, in Gaskis. And over way too many bottles of wine, decided this was an incredibly good opportunity to get into. Um, I think Jay had started the business. We, we started in 04. Um, and I think we had 12 schools in 04. So <laughs> what you said was a fledgling business was even less than even a business at that stage. It was just probably more like a hobby. Yeah. And um, actually, I, uh, let's explore that a little more. I mean, aside from copious amounts of wine, <laughs> what convinced you? I mean... You could have gone in all kinds of directions with the background you had. Sure. So what was the pitch that convinced you that this might be your next step? So Jay's, Jay's very passionate and still still is about the industry, although he's left it. And um, he said to me, come, come over to this Vegas conference, which there's this national school picture conference in January. Um, and it's a really interesting sort of way of pitching the business and the industry because you come over and you look at what is a very staid conservative industry that's been pretty much the same as what you guys were describing from your early days mm. of, you know, your experience of school photography. And I think it was an, at a time when we had just moved from film to digital. Uh, there was a bunch of people that were like, hey, I'm moving out of the industry. And it seemed to me to be a right time to sort of say, is this a space that's rife for change, which it was, um, and something that would be kind of like get your teeth stuck into it and see where we could go with it. And so completely different from my sort of finance background, but I, you know, I, I enjoy sales. I enjoy sort of growing businesses. I enjoy the aspect of working with the teams. And so sort of bringing all of that in that early stages of 05, 06, and then starting to help grow it and get it to where it was. But yeah, we. Um, I, I don't think I got my first paycheck from Geskis for about four years. Oh, so, wow. yeah, it, it truly was a startup where we were sort of living off savings, funding it ourselves, and uh, wouldn't give it back for the world. Uh, we absolutely love what we do. I love what I do. Um, I love the team. I love the company. I love where it is. I love New Hampshire. It's <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So you say you saw you know this stayed industry that was what you viewed ripe for change. What was the change? What did you look and your partners look to do differently? Um, and well, let's start there. What was, sure. what would you say that was different? Yeah. So I think from the get go, guess, guess is really try to break the mold. Um, and, and we've, we've, obviously inwardly looked at ourselves, but then we've also sort of been very conscious about looking at what our competitors were doing and sort of saying, is there a better way we could be more customer centric? And I think that uh, often when you look at a very old conservative, let's say 40 year industry business, they fall back on what's easy. 
um, and they'll fall back on old school systems and so forth. And so we, we kind of sort of just shook everything up. We started off with giving a three by five print or a calendar to every student. And our competitors at the time were like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? But for <laughs> us, it was a great way of saying, here's our product. We're looking at a different way of showing you what we're capable of doing and displaying it to all the parents, whether they had bought first time round or not. Right. Um, and so we went with a sort of very different model in the early stages, which was a sort of a prepay or a proof model, which a lot of our competitors were doing one or the other. Um, and we kind of just shook it up and just sort of said, well, you know, how do we look at it from a customer's perspective? How do we look at it completely differently? And uh, it worked. You know, um, I think from a very, very quick stage, we started to sort of be very focused on answering those calls, answering the emails. I don't think that we actually had email for those first <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, maybe not. It was just phone calls. Yeah. But you know, it was very focused on how do we get that customer experience working in both the parents' side and then also from the standpoint of the schools and servicing the schools. And like any startup, I mean, you obviously, as you said, you had some lean years there where you're building the business and having to, to um, supplement it, essentially. What was the turning point for the company? And what has it grown into today? Sure. So yeah, you guys are asking, asking all the good questions there. Uh, <laughs> we'll get those out of the way first. I was like, I'm going to prepare before I see the two of them, but they've gone and hit me some whammers from the get-go. Um, um, so from, um, from the standpoint of where we are today, we're at about 100 uh, staff in the business. Uh, we're operating out of uh, two locations, Seabrook and Nashua. Um, as you mentioned in the introduction, we're the largest. We do about 75% of the schools in, in the state. Um, we're also in Maine, Vermont, uh, Massachusetts, and Connecticut. So we've sort of expanded a little bit into those other markets. Um, the, I, we've definitely grown into the largest independent. So there's one very large player in mm -hmm. the space, which is called LifeTouch. Um, they do... Uh, about 26 million children's photos in September and October. Wow. So everything that I'm going to say from here on out <laughs> sort of pales in comparison to what that sounds well, like. Well, we'll just pretend we didn't hear that. <laughs> We're pretty impressed anyways. Uh, so uh, we photograph about 250,000 kids. Mm. Um which uh, on average every day we're doing about 22 to 26 events where we're going to different wow. schools or sports events and different locations. So we're very busy. We've got teams all over the place. At the point where that transition happened, where it started to get to that feel, was probably at about 100 or 125 schools. I think before that it was very much still felt like, I think I used the word hobby at the beginning, but... Mm -hmm. You find a lot of high street photographers who will be your wedding photographer and also your um, uh, your senior photographer for your photos, and then they may have one or two schools. So in those early stages, we were sort of like competing against that type of space. Mm -hmm. uh, we were so small that we weren't even sort of a, a blip on the radar for LifeTouch. And um, over time, I think you know, the, the 100 marker was a, probably a big transition for us in terms of where our space was and, and where the business started to get some more critical mass. Interesting. Um, yeah. Was the yearbook publishing part uh, originally part of the business, or is that something that you've kind of innovated and, and added over time? Um, it's always been there. Okay. Um, I think as you both talked about in the introduction, I think uh, they sort of go hand in hand with one another. Uh, of our schools that we photograph, I would say probably 70% do a book. There's some small elementary schools that don't. Mm -hmm. 
So that was an area that grew over the time that we've been doing it. And the fact that in the early days, high schools and middle schools would be the ones that did the box. But now if you find the sort of uh, the K through five market, they're very focused on that being a good memory grabber for the whole year. Oh, so. Wow. We're a portion of that, obviously, for the school photos. But then, you know, I see all the Halloween things that we've been driving past. There'll they'll be Halloween at the school and mm. everybody comes in costume. And so the um, the parents and, and uh, the teachers all capture these images and they drop them into these not no more cut and paste books. They're all electronic yeah, now. Okay. Um, and okay. uh, we personalize the two middle pages. So the parents can drop in sort of photos from their photo roll and make their own sort of book and create it to something that's special for them. So that's um, that's a big portion of the business. The other two sides that are continue to be growth areas for us are sports. Um, and then most recently, uh, the graduation commencement business has definitely started to pick up as well, uh, particularly over the COVID period where that was sort of a big focus for everybody was, you know, these drive-by graduations and all of these other <laughs> really fun ways of being able to capture a graduation moment. So they're probably the, uh, and, and then senior photography is still a big portion, uh, portion of the business where we're out photographing the junior class going into their senior year, capturing a really, really beautiful portrait and putting that into the book. Very nice. Very nice. So. Um, what, over the last, well, let me say, you know, almost 20 years or so, um, how has the business changed? And you kind of alluded to it just a moment ago with the cut and paste versus the technology, mm -hmm. but um, how has the whole business changed in terms of technology? I mean, have you had to, have you just sort of, you've been innovating from the very beginning, we know that, but have you had to really invest in, in, in changing technology or has that been a slower process, something that you can kind of do uh, as you go? And, and you oh. know, knowing that it's, yeah, he's, he's shaking his head <laughs> and laughing. So yeah, let's dive into that for a little bit. The technology sure, side. Yeah, the technology things. has been, uh, probably the biggest changer of the industry. I mean, I think that the portrait still remains the sort of uh, the focal point. You know, we're out there at the moment doing all of these portraits every single day. And what's so wonderful is to see that mom's still coming back and it's still a treasured memory. Um, they, they did a survey a while back, and I think one was interesting is that what will you grab if your house is on fire? Um, oh, my goodness. And, and your photos are your treasured memories. Mm. They're the things that you don't feel you can go and replace. Um, and so people will actually sort of run back in and grab those photos from the mantelpiece and sort of pull them out. Um, so, from, so from our perspective, we're so pleased that that still exists. But now what surrounds all of that has become this technological an animal. Um, mm. And that's the part that I find I'm geeking out on I, <laughs> you know I, I i suppose that's the part that sort of wakes me up every day and like nice. how do we innovate what do we do yeah so we started um another business in brooklyn new york about six years ago now and the whole focus of that was uh it's called pex portrait pex and it's not an outwardly focused uh retail company because it's designed to do the order transactions for the parents um but what we found is that that whole flyer school picture day, fill out the envelope, mm -hmm. put your money in, send it off with your kid on the bus in the morning has now transitioned into most parents buying it on their phone, um, you know, the night before or the day of. <laughs> and how easy do we make that transaction? How quickly can they get through that transaction and get out and continuing uh, on with running the household and making sure the kid does get on the bus. <laughs> um, but that has become a fascinating piece of being in the online retail space and then also being in the portrait space and also being in that customer service space. So the industry has definitely evolved a lot. 
Nice. And to kind of piggyback on that, um, can you talk about how, what type of how the product selection has changed sure. and what parents and students want today? I mean, to age myself here, um, you know, growing up, first it was, you know, the big thing was I have a picture of myself and for some reason a ghost image of me trying to pierce the veil between the living <laughs> and the dead. And then, you know, in the 80s, it was, you know, laser backgrounds. Oh my gosh, was it ever. But as a parent today, it's amazing to me all the different products that you can choose from. So can you talk about how that's evolved and what, what does today customer want out of the school photo experience? So lasers are still very popular. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Some things never change. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, so we, we, if you look at the difference of, let's say, even 10 or 15 years ago, we would shoot onto a canvas background. Mm -hmm. Now we shoot onto green screen. So we're able to give parents this variety of different backgrounds. And it's always interesting to see what they pick. So what's trending? Well, yeah. what's interesting, I'll tell you what's trending, is that there is a, a background that we have this year that looks like Minecraft. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Of the fun backgrounds, and it was commercially available, which we were surprised by, because it sort of definitely looks like the whole Minecraft thing, and yeah. there was no rights to it and so forth, so... Hopefully going on this podcast hasn't killed me. <laughs> <laughs> you let us know if we need to but take that out later. That, that's probably been in the K5 market has been a hugely popular one. Oh but yeah. if you look at what we bought or what our parents had bought for school photos was traditionally a gray or a blue canvas background. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Still number one, number wow. two seller. Oh, wow. Yep. Yeah. yep. God, so, I remember... Like I, a vivid memory of the guy, like you know, me sitting on the stool and yeah. then him pulling up the canvas background. It's like, nope, not that one. This one, not the lasers this year. My mom wants the clouds, you yeah. know. So I it's come know. a long way. Green it's come screen. a long way. Yeah, yeah. but Let's, now there's Christmas ornaments, and, and can you talk about kind of oh, like sure. where that's yeah. gone? So uh, that's been a really interesting trend transition, and I think you know. If you look at mom sitting at home and you go into sort of the retail experience of mm -hmm. buying photo books or uh, any photo related product, we've had to transition and be in that same space. Mm -hmm. So if you go on to Shutterfly, sure. you can buy magnets and keychains and Christmas ornaments and photo books and all of the other fun malarkey. Um, <laughs> and, um, and we're in that same space. You know, we're, nice. we're, we're finding that parents are still buying a print. They still would love to know that there's a two five by sevens to put on the mantelpiece or give to the grandparents. But then they also are saying, hey, it would be really cool to put the Christmas background on this particular snowflake ornament. And that would be a kind of cool gift or for something for me to put on the tree. Wow. Um, so we've seen those types of novelty products pick up tremendously. Um, and you, you find now that sort of mom will go and grab the couple of eight by tens in the shopping cart and then they'll throw in magnets or the ornament or something else like that mm. as, a, as a fun alternative to sort of mix it up for the year. If you compare that against, let's say, where we were 10 years ago or 15 years ago, most people were buying a package, which would have been, you know, sort of an 8x10, two 5x7s. I'm kind of going super boring on print sizes. No, but, that's totally fine. Um, it's good. It's good. But th there was like um, a handful of wallets in there. And, mm -hmm. You know, you would go right. and exchange the wallets with yep. your friends or something like that. But um, that seems to have 
still be there in the sort of mix, but definitely nowhere near the top of the sort of list of the uh, the items being purchased. I think we're being far more prudent as consumers about what we buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're picking things that we want versus being forced into a, a bundle that we don't feel we're going to get a lot out of. As somebody who just had to choose a bundle, I can, you know, I can relate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were like, and then it's call, you know, call my mom, call the grandparents and the uncles and see what they, what size they want. And is it yeah. wallet or is it not? And the, But it really, really interesting to know that, I mean, there's additional revenue streams, opportunities, and also just because of the advances in technology, you can have you can make a Christmas ornament, maybe a Halloween thing, and a, yeah. you know that's fascinating. Maybe socks, who knows? Yeah, um, well, that's a good idea. Socks. Well, listen, you can take it, take it, <laughs> and, and just run with it if you need Thanks to. Um, number one seller. There it is. Um, yeah. Speaking of taking and running with things, um, you've launched another company as well called Launch Now. Is that right? Or I, I can't take credit for that one. Okay, that, that, all right, you're involved in I'm it in involved some way. In that all one. right, I'm um, involved in that one. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that, and then I also want to know if you consider yourself a serial entrepreneur. You just or what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, launch now is Claudia Tabon's company. Um, she's the CEO. Um, I've helped um, make a lot of introductions for that business. Obviously, with us being in the school space. Um, Fascinating company. I, I absolutely love that one, and I'd wish that it existed when I was a kid. Mm. Um, so it takes a um, it's it's all centered around the guidance counselor. Um, guidance counselor is obviously one to many ratio at the school. They're often sort of like you know two hundred kids to one guidance counselor, and it takes a survey and looks at the results of the survey as we would all have done on let's say paper and pencil when mm. we were a kid and said you're going to be a firefighter oh my goodness um, yeah, yeah. but it pops out these profiles of who you are in terms of personality and then also possible job opportunities or career opportunities mm-hmm. the problem for the guidance counselor was how do i connect those people with real world experience mm-hmm. um, and show them what it's kind of like to be a firefighter and what that would mean and and most of the time that would never happen and so mom and dad would give you sort of advice and send you off on the way and say, finance degree is the way you should go and go and work in the Lloyds of London. Um, and, and so I think from, uh, from the standpoint of where the, that application has gone, it's started to connect these students with real world experiences mm. and said, okay, hey, what is it like to be a photographer? How would it be to work at Geskis? And it could be a day in the life of, it could be a, an audio call, video call that we do with somebody, or it could actually be an internship. And um, it's been uh, adopted by a good, good bunch of schools. Claudia's managed to break into Massachusetts, New Hampshire. She's got all sorts of clients that are now sort of transacting with it. So it's been a, a business that uh, I have definitely supported financially. Um, and uh, I have uh, supported with a lot of emotion um, because nice. I feel strongly about it. But uh, yes, I suppose the answer to your question is serial <laughs> entrepreneur. Uh, I don't know if there will be a fourth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, the three, the three take a lot of energy. Got um, it. Got it. But uh, yeah, so that's probably my um, that's that's probably my limit. We'll be right back. Sky Terra is one of the nation's top fifty Microsoft cloud solutions provider, and we're proud to be headquartered right here in New Hampshire. Please visit us at www.skyterratech.com to see how we help companies with their IT needs so they can concentrate on their business. Okay, we are back with Rich Carroll. 
So we were talking about uh, your entrepreneurial ventures, and we haven't really touched on the other big company you're involved with, which goes on to the other side of your photo business. And that is, you have a are part of a company uh, or launched a company that processes all of those orders, and you're actually processing orders for your competition. Can you talk about what led to that and where that company is at today? Um, so that that that's the the portrait pics company I was referring to, and um, I I um, I love that business. You know that um, it is very tech. Um, we start into sort of a world of names that I feel like I need to go back to school to get a degree in. <laughs> um, but uh, fascinating business to sort of be in, and you open up a channel a channel that is completely different than sort of any of the other experiences that I have during the day. Uh, we're transacting north of $30 million through that business. Um, you know, it's six years old to look at the growth of it so quickly. There's about a million households that we're sort of working with. So that happened super quickly. COVID was like it put it on steroids because um, wow. obviously there was no paper order forms or any other way to transact to buy photos. So mm-hmm. um, it definitely took off a lot more during the course of COVID and um, it's picked up tremendously. So, yeah, we're, we're very proud of that business. Um, I think it continues to be sort of the innovation piece that we need to continue to invest in mm-hmm. and, and, and where that industry is going. So Interesting. Yeah. Um, can I ask the name of the company? Geskis um, is the namesake of Ed Geskis. Is that right? The, the one of the founders. Yes. Yeah. Um, how and how did you and Ed meet in life? Um, so were? so um, uh, Jay uh, and Ed were um, very good friends, and mm-hmm. uh, Ed has a um, very successful business out in um, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh. Um, and he's got over a thousand schools, so a little bit bigger than what we are, mm-hmm. um, had a sort of very successful run of it in terms of building it up. And, uh, at the time Jay and Ed decided they would sort of join forces and, uh, in New England, we would do the processing for the photos of Ed's business. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, lo and behold, uh, uh, Ed said, Hey, I think there's an opportunity in New England, spoke to Jay, got guess, New England started where the name comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the two of them sort of kicked it off in 04. And uh, along I come in 05, 06, and uh, sort of knocking on the door as the third business partner. <laughs> and um, I've been very fortunate that over the years, I've managed to buy both of them out. Uh, they both wanted to go off in different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, it has semi-retired, um, but uh, I still talk to him. I spoke to him last week. Uh, he's a wonderful man. He's cool. sort of been a good mentor for me during the course of the growth of the industry uh, on, on in the New England side. And then Jay has uh, been sort of lifelong friend and, and, and really good mentor for me at a different points in the business. He's a really good entrepreneur. And he's gone off into the construction industry and built oh, homes. Wow. So uh, I, I, I had two very good business partners. Um, and uh, yeah, I was very fortunate to be able to buy both of them out and now own it all on my own. There it is. So <laughs> you have these growing businesses. So where's, what's the next step for you and for these companies? Where do you hope to take them? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, we're on a very good growth cycle in all three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when you when you, you start out to be an entrepreneur, I suppose you look at it in one of two ways, right? You're either building it to sell it, 
or you're building it to keep it and grow it and it becomes your baby. Um, unfortunately, all three have become babies. <laughs> um, and so uh, the emotional pull to not sort of sell your children is, is, uh, is there. Um, and I think that you invest a lot of time and energy into being able to make sure that they flourish and continue to grow and they become sort of definitely an extension of my immediate family, that's for sure. Um, I, I, I have no desire to sort of uh, stop. I have a 13 and a 12-year-old who are my life uh, with my wife. Um, so I've got quite a few more years of them going through school and sort of where their career paths are going to go. So I'm not hanging up my hat anytime soon. Um, but it would be interesting to sort of, you know, in the next five years or so, in the medium term, to sort of explore, well, where do we go next? And um, I heard your uh, uh, duet construction conversation and the son had come into the business oh, sure, and, yeah. and I started thinking to myself well will the kids ever want to come into the business mm -hmm. is the team themselves able to take the business over and continue to run it and mm -hmm. I don't want to be the 70 80 year old guy who's the crudgety old guy that I <laughs> well you go back to that earlier part of the conversation I was the reason why I came in the industry to mm -hmm. kind of beat that guy yeah, right? and yeah. so I don't want to be that guy I want to be you know I wanted to keep current and mm -hmm. fresh and um, at some point in time, I'm going to be, you know, past my sell-by date. So we got to, <laughs> we got to find a solution. We got to find a solution. Well, hopefully you're well preserved. But. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it, 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 the business has been growing by leaps and bounds, though. And I'm curious, um, you know, your main clientele, obviously schools. Um, and when they find something that works, I'm sure most are loath to to switch for whatever you know it is because when you're dealing with parents and something emotional like school pictures if you got something that's working why switch so how do you convince these schools to try you and take that risk well um firstly that's probably somebody you should get to get interviewed as a a school principal like, I don't know how they do their job. No, the most battle-tested people <laughs> yeah, are. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, um, you look at sort of just even sort of a, a school of 300 kids. They've got the kids. They've got 600 parents that they've got coming at them. They've got uh, everything that happens in their building, their staff, the whole thing. And it basically starts and stops with them. And so uh, they're our entry and signature on any contract. And I often feel like getting any portion of their time almost seems impossible because mm. they've got so many distractions going on during the day. Um, I think we've been fortunate in that our competitors have tripped up a lot and made, you know, you, you get forgiven for one mistake when you've made the same one six times or mm. you make six back-to-back -back ones. Uh, the parents start to get upset. The school starts to sort of feel, am I with the right provider? So we've been fortunate to be in the wings when something like that has happened and, and swoop in. And we stay in contact with all the schools. We, we have a variety of different ways that we communicate with them. But um, as far as school photos goes, it's probably about number 450 on the totem pole <laughs> um, in terms of a principal's uh, sort of day-to-day -day existence. Right, right, and so long yeah. as we stay there um, and don't ruffle too many feathers, we, 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 we stay current. Um, and if our competitors do, they, they move up the totem pole pretty quickly. And, and then, then we come in and swoop in and, and pick up the business. So uh, good sales strategy. We're very, very strong on sales. We're very focused on sort of growth and, and continuing to build those relationships. But I've been very fortunate. You know, we're in, we're in, um, in town 
the town we're in, I'm uh, very close friends with one of the principals here who was principal of the year. Um, we sponsor the uh, teacher of the year. We sponsor the principal of the year. So we've been very, very focused about continuing to stay relevant in the school space and making sure that they know about us as a brand, but in turn helping them and supporting them. And we do a ton of give backs to the state. Um, and you know, there's a lot of money that we give back to the schools to support the schools. Um, there's a lot of money that we sort of do supporting the, uh, the facilities that are sort of around that in terms of principals, uh, leadership teams and, you know, how do we sponsor their conferences and different things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's helpfully, hopefully kept our brand relevant and in, in their, in their, in their space when they're thinking of a change. I am curious though, um, you know, the sheer number of students that you're taking pictures of, I mean, how do you keep your photographers and your staff motivated, um, particularly in this tight labor market <laughs> where they would have some options? Yeah. Um, it's a, I would assume, a very demanding job. So what what do you do to keep your corporate culture a place they want to be? Sure, that's... Um if you ever want to be fed a lot, come work for guests. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> food. Uh, yep. Food. Yeah. Uh, we have a ton of food. Uh, no. I, um, joking aside, we we are very very focused on 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 the culture of the company and the team, um, and uh, it is a team. Uh, I I don't use the words sort of employees or staff or we're a team. I I have been behind a camera this season taking photos. Um, sweating it with my team next to me, uh, getting through a season. And, uh, you know, the, it takes a village. And I think in terms of that, they feel like that. There's nobody that's sort of top of the totem pole or hierarchy that's too important to be there. So I think that's the first por portion of it is that we all need to feel like we're involved and together. And this kumbaya moment of like, we'll go out and go and get through the season because it is... It is pretty intense going through a school photo season. It's very early mornings. You're starting at sort of four... Um, and quite often we're still there. It's sort of carrying on at nine o'clock at night. Sunday nights are usually a busy day about somebody's calling out on Monday and how do we juggle the schedule and making sure that everybody's still out there. So it's very demanding. Um, pay has been important most recently. Obviously, we've seen sort of pay increases. So we needed to be current with that and make mm -hmm. sure that it was commensurate with where it needed to be. Um, but we just do a ton of different things for the team and try and sort of make sure that they're motivated and uh, they feel upbeat. And it, it can sometimes be a something, something as simple as last year we bought them all lunchboxes. <laughs> um, this year we're getting them thermoses and, you know, just getting them a gift to say thank you. You know, like in the midst of the season, you're tired and you feel like, oh, man, it's a, a slog to sort of get up again at four o'clock in the morning. And mm. then. You know, you just need to acknowledge that and sort of say thank you every now and again because it only happens. All those photos that come back into the parents' hands are only possible from all of that hard work that that team's doing every day. Absolutely. Well, that was going to be my question too. So, <laughs> aren't we good? No, that's that's we. You know, we we couldn't. Uh, you know, sort of end without hearing from your team and just sort of again what it was what it is like to to work there. And I'm glad you're feeding them. That will help, yes, of course. Yeah, for sure. um, so let's talk a little bit about you for a second. We kind of had said that you uh, enjoy some some pretty simple things, some nice things there in Stratum, some walks, uh, golf, tennis, dinner with friends. Um, the Golden Doodle, what's the Golden Doodle's name? Lewis Walker. Lewis Walker. Okay, now I get to ask another question. Why is he named Lewis Walker? 
So we got them from <laughs> Lewiston, Maine. Okay. Um, but Formula One was one of the other things you made mention to. Yeah. So Lewis Hamilton is my uh, son's favorite Formula One driver. Okay. So that's where Lewis came from. And then um, a big Star Wars family. So uh, that's where the Walker comes from. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> Matt always respects the Star Wars piece <laughs> of things. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah. So when you're, when you're not focused, you know, on, on the business, um, clearly, you know, family and there's some things that you enjoy. But, um, you know, what else are you up to uh, in community and otherwise? And the answer can be nothing. You can say, <laughs> I sit on the couch sometimes. That's okay. No, you know, we go back to that Jewett conversation and uh, I, I listened and he was involved with everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to get involved with more. You know? <laughs> I'm sure uh, there's organizations out there. So uh, I, I have been actively involved. I sat on the uh, um, Teacher of the Year committee two years ago um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I, I stepped aside from that one and... and um, uh, Claudia took in and she, she stepped into that one and she wor- worked on that one. But um, I, I've been a very involved in sort of a variety of different things like that, but probably very centered around the business in mm-hmm. terms of sort of give backs or, you know, Grace. sort of community activities that yeah. have been sort of uh, linked hand in hand with each other. I think, you know, we literally it gets to those sort of one and a half to two days on the weekend, and I am fried. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know how you guys feel, but like it fried. gets yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets to Friday night, and I'm like, man, I gave it 110. Uh, I, I haven't got much left in the tank. Mm-hmm. And um, what I do have left, I, I, I really want to give to my kids and, and, and my wife. And so, you know, sort of cooking a meal at home, walking the dog, playing tennis, Playing golf with them, we'll go out and play four holes of golf as a family of four of us, and lost seventeen balls or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll all have a laugh at right. each other on a Sunday afternoon and come back in. But that sort of like rejuvenates me and gets me ready for the, again for the the next part of the week. But uh, yeah, that that's probably where sort of I get my uh, my energy, and I, I'm so grateful for the the three of them and and that little fuzzy white ball of the other one. Uh, <laughs> Um, but uh, they um, uh, they are they are my heart and soul. So awesome! I'm awesome. very fortunate well, to have them. Rich, I think that's a, a great way to wrap up. Thank you uh, for all the innovation, for all the things that you're focused on and you're doing, and of course for your you know focusing on family and community as well. Rich Carroll is president of Guest Studios. Thanks a lot. Thank you guys so much. And now the buzz. The Boston Globe recently reported on scientists are seeing few signs of a big COVID-19 wave this winter. And that's the good news. The bad news is you never know. You never know. Yeah, they they talk in this article a bit about... the the trends that we've seen, and, but also the mutations of uh, the SARS CoV two virus, and and so yeah, we can we can sort of track scientists can track we're not scientists uh, the 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 trends, but again, we don't have a lot of data to track trends. However, I guess in the end, the nice thing is that they're um, they're predicting with the data that they have um, that we're not going to see a major, you know, a major, major COVID wave this winter or um, a new, perhaps, again, perhaps a new uh, variant of COVID. However, However. we still need to have, <laughs> uh, you know, to be prepared for 
COVID season mm-hmm. just as we would the cold season right. and flu, flu season. season. Yeah. And so, you know, I think businesses are trying to prepare for the fact that um, while hopefully there won't be a major new wave that closes them down, mm-hmm. uh, you still have to have protocols yeah. in place. You still need to, if you're having people in the office, um, at what point do you require masks mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, businesses are still struggling with whether or not they require vaccinations or not, or a lot of them are incentivizing it. So right. a $500 bonus for those who, who get vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, and the fact is, is that if we're going to keep businesses open and we're going to uh, make sure that we don't have as many people taking sick time off, just as you know, you prepare for flu season, mm-hmm. we're now preparing for COVID season. Right, right. And I think, you know what, that's smart. Um, let's Let's just prepare. Let's keep washing our hands and just being cognizant of how we're feeling and making decisions around that. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, geez, everybody, every time someone coughs or this or that, but you know what? This is now part of our world, just as the influenza virus is. And if we can just, you know, take those precautions and be considerate of one another, um, you know, if it's an office outbreak or that sort of thing, hopefully those things will be minimized by us being a little bit forward thinking on, um, on this and just taking care of one another. And that also includes taking a look at your time, sick time off and having a culture where you don't just have it available, where it is encouraged Mm -hmm. that you let employees know not only is it okay to use this sick time, you're expecting it. If you are feeling under the weather, we would rather you stay home and recover from it than bring it into the office. Mm -hmm. That was true during flu season. It's even more so now that COVID is a part of our our permanent workplace and uh, lives. Exactly. And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.